welcome back to Subspace Radio, and it's wedding day in subspace. Happy wedding day. It's a joyous day. The bells can be heard are ringing around the subspace. Hi, Rob. How's it going? I am well, Kevin. Um, what a momentous episode to just sneak in four episodes into an animated version of a franchise. Not yeah. only do we get another wedding, but it is on a planet we have never, ever visited before. We are, of course, talking about Lower Decks Season 4, Episode 4, Something Borrowed, Something Green, yeah. in which Devon Attendi is called back to Orion in order to attend her sister's nuptials. And Something Borrowed, Something Green it was pretty clear this was going to be a wedding to do with Orion's. And I thought, oh, no, is it going to be Tendi's secret betrothal to someone on her home planet? Just like Spock at Amok time. Oh, yeah, we've been engaged since children. And I, I thought for sure this was going to be, does Tendi get married or not? But it was not. It was her sister. Yeah, that was uh, focusing more on Tendi dealing with her connection with her Orion heritage and with her connection with her family and how her desire to go to Starfleet goes against everything that she's been brought up to be. And it gives us a bit more of an insight into this character who is a joy and a wonderful presence within the show. But we've always been alluded to this uh, mysterious past of hers, but to finally just have it laid out before us is was a delight. I'm happy we went back there as well because we had that previous episode where they went to the Orion colony and all of the Orions there were like deferring to her and calling yes. her by that honorific and Mariner was intensely curious but we didn't <laughs> get to learn the details and I'm glad now we came back and got to learn the details because I was worried they were going to leave it mysterious um, yes so yeah this was very satisfying I think to get answers to many of our questions about Devon Attendee yeah there was a little bit of repeating for me it was like a couple of seasons ago was where we found out Billups has passed and he's like this high ranking royal member of his. Yeah. Mariner even called it out. Do you live in a castle like Billups? <laughs> Calling it out doesn't, doesn't really, really make up it. the fact you're, yeah, it doesn't really fix the fact you're repeating the same thing. Oh, well, a different type of thing like Billups is royalty, whereas Tendi is more like a high ranking member of the, a wealthy member of the Orion syndicate. But there was definitely the repeated thing of, for me, in many ways, it's just a case of, oh, okay, just a lowly member of the crew is actually has, comes from this higher stock. But yeah, it, and again, but explains a lot about Kendi's striving to be humble and down to earth and focus on the, the high principles of Starfleet. Lots of connections to past, like, Orion stuff that has appeared in passing in Star Trek. I saw... References to Enterprise episodes, Borderland, and Bound. I saw some visual references to the animated series, The Pirates of Orion, where they were all wearing scuba suits. Um, yes. They paid off some bits of that. And uh, even some uh, passing references to The Cage or The Menagerie, where Pike was bamboozled by Vina in Orion form. In Orion belly dancing outfits. That's right. Several of the visual features of the hump dungeon in this episode were taken directly from that scene in the cage. <laughs> there was a particularly good moment when they focus on like the certain females within the Orion syndicate can release pheromones to bewitch the males. 
And yeah. when they cleared up by Tendi, three of them just go, oh, man, we're in another hump dungeon. <laughs> Not again. Yeah. I got a lot of laughs out of this episode. Just the name De Erica was hilarious to me. Yes. And her father's name is Bert. Just that <laughs> playing with that Star Trek thing of your name is a letter, an apostrophe, and then something yes. normal was just hilarious. And uh, yeah, I love that stuff. Mariner getting stabbed repeatedly in the same hole was a great uh, visual gag. It made me laugh every time. I was about to mention that was that was my highlight of the whole episode. <laughs> and they did the rule of three, one, two. How did that even possible? And the third one, oh no, I'm hiding behind here and lowering down. And then the ricochet and get, oh God. Oh, come on. <laughs> to Lynn was welcome as well. I think she's really... I mentioned this a couple of episodes, three, you know, four episodes down that she's been in three and she's just seamlessly embedded herself into the crew. Yeah. She's very much filling that seven of nine role of like kind of a late addition, feels like a guest star a bit, but yeah. has slotted straight into the crew and has a, has a purpose in every episode she appears. Now, my favorite moment of the whole episode, though, the, the stabbing of Mariner in the same spot three times is very good, but we have to go to our B plot where we, <laughs> I, I got to a point where I'm there going, what the hell am I watching? <laughs> where we have Rutherford and Boynluck who have their perfect existence living as flatmates is ruined by their dealing with their bonsai tree. Yeah. So they deal, with the, they deal with it the only way they know how, going into a hollow suite and getting obsessed. And they end up both showing up as Mark Twain oh. and both of them doing Mark Twain accents. And that solves all their problems. It was so funny. It was frigging hilarious. Every line had me in stitches and <laughs> just the setup of, oh yeah, of course, Mark Twain is a recurring character in Star Trek. How of have course. we not played with that already? <laughs> That's right. Yeah. He's a Upedian uh, next year. Yes, absolutely. Guinan knew Mark Twain personally. So when we went back in time, in Time's Arrow, we meet younger Guinan on Earth, who is rubbing shoulders with Samuel Clemens. And uh, the crew of the Enterprise have to hang out and make quick explanations for where they're from. I do declare. I do um, declare. Very, very, very funny. Just absolute oddball crazy. I want to know who knew for sure this was going to work this well. Like when they were writing it, did they already know that those actors could make this level of gold out of it? <laughs> or did it come alive in the recording booth? But uh, this is a highlight for the season for me. This Very much the so. Twain scenes. And then for that to be brought back in to solve the... Uh... Which was ridiculous. Uh, I know how to solve this, Captain. <laughs> Let's well... invite the angry alien to the holodeck and dress him up as Mark Twain. <laughs> and he goes, you've got to speak in the southern accent. I am from the southern region of my planet. This is of the southern accent. And then, of course, he sees the, the bonsai tree and eats it, which is great. Yes. Great. That alien was a Chalnoth, and that is an alien we've seen once in an episode of The Next Generation called Allegiance, in which yes. Captain Picard is abducted and put in a prison cell with a bunch of aliens and one other Starfleet officer who's an Andorian, if memory serves, or a Bolian. Yeah, I think she's a Bolian. But anyway, 
they are being experimented on. We could have talked about this in our In Captivity episode. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But the experiment is, will they work together in order to escape or will this situation tear them apart? Of the course. The Chalnoth in the room is the only one who cannot eat the supplied food, which is a disc of, of jelly. So it is, it is a recurring theme now that Chalnoths are picky eaters. <laughs> yeah, it was great. We had a, a return of the, it was a very Orion-centric episode. We had our pre-titled cold opener scene. We've had the Klingons be destroyed. We've had the Romulans be destroyed. And now we sadly had an Orion ship destroyed by this mysterious ship. But yeah. yeah. I didn't particularly love or dislike that that cold open. I thought it was another of those, and it yeah. established for those who might not remember who the Orions are and what they're like before we go and visit them on their planet. So it filled a uh, purpose, but I didn't think it was especially strong. The writers didn't but have as much fun as they had with the Romulans. I think they've had the most fun with that scene. Right, yeah. The mentions of the more senior Orion getting metal plates stuck to her head, that's a reference to Enterprise. Some of the Orion pirates in Enterprise had pieces of metal stuck to their skin and it was part of right. the costume. And so, yeah, they're calling back to that. And the pirate ship that they're on has grabby arms hanging at the bottom and that's a visual reference to the animated series appearance Fantastic. of the Orion pirates. But yeah, a serviceable cold open, but yeah, not as good as the Romulan one that I'm still chuckling about from the other. That is, yeah, that, is, that has been the highlight of all those, those little scenes. But yeah, we're four episodes down. It's been quite solid this season and the there's they're really still keeping it very Star Trek and honoring all that stuff, but they're throwing in some amazing curveballs that I never thought I would see before using a holodeck with not only two Mark Twains, but four Mark Twains. <laughs> I also enjoyed the end, the wedding ceremony, the gender reversal of having the groom walk down the aisle with the father and and have Mariner go, he looks radiant. That was fun. There have been little hints of that. Yeah. There have been, yeah. They're a matriarchal society that is very well established now. And seeing yeah. that play into the wedding ceremony was nice. I was a little worried about that at first when it was established that bridal abductions were a thing. And I'm like, oh, wow. So leaning into the damsel in distress trope does not feel very matriarchal to me. But they brought it around in the end. Many levels. The Orions are many different shades of green. <laughs> they are literally, when they're standing next to each other, I was like, wow, there's a lot of different greens here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I noticed as well, going light, light the tone. And can we just talk about the drinking game with the spider oh. slug thing? The murder bug drinking game. Murder yeah. bug, yeah. I was enjoying it. I, was, I remember laughing through that scene at just how, again, what the heck am I watching here? That was <laughs> what I was feeling through that because I was going, does this game make any sense at all? And I'm not sure it did, but I enjoyed it anyway. <laughs> you got to finish the drink and put it back in its slot so the yes. protective shield comes up. That's right. Time. And, yes. and so ultimately it is a drinking game to the death, but what kills you is the bug that you don't protect your hand from in time. And how, yeah, and how was it for you to see this iconic species in the Star Trek universe that sort of appeared early on in a little bit, but then disappeared and it's only been brought back in? Like the... Lower Decks crew have really leaned into showing a lot of Orion stuff. Like yeah. we didn't get any, we didn't get any Orions in 
Deep Space Nine or Voyager or uh, Next Gen, I don't think. They've definitely, and of course, they were brought back in Enterprise. Um, yeah. Um, but yeah, how was that? I agree with Boimler. It was a treat not to be missed. Uh, and <laughs> as they were like taking the shuttle down and we saw the planet laid out below, and there was some score going on at that point that felt to me like an Orion motif coming in. Yeah. And I thought, wow, it's been a while since I've, I've felt a new race, a new civilization come alive in Star Trek and get some real world building around it. So yeah, it was a lot of fun. And for that to happen in an animated uh, series shows a lot of belief in Lower mm. Decks, which is great. It's no longer what it's just started out to be going, mm, come on, it's the hokey animated thing with a bit of the meta humor to going, yeah, they do that, but they're also fiercely dedicated to their Star Trek lore. Yeah, I still need to go back and decipher all of the Orion script. There were several like conspicuous <laughs> signs. And the Mariner gave us a bit of a decoder key by naming the bar. And the sign yep. was written in Orion, but she said the bar is slit throats or something like that. And that gives yes. you a whole bunch of letters to go on. I think from there we can decode what the pedestal that they're carried around on says. And yeah, I can't wait to pull that stuff apart and see what laughs are hiding for us. I'm very much looking forward to seeing what you translate. But we've got a topic to drill into, and it seemed pretty obvious to us that uh, we should be talking about weddings and wedding traditions in Star Trek. Most definitely. Most definitely. Why not? Let's, let's, let's embrace all things matrimonial in the world of the Trek. I have picked a little itty-bitty scene in Next Generation. What have you got? I've got an entire episode from the greatest Star Trek TV show of all time. Who would have thought? <laughs> all right. So we'll start at TNG before we go to DS9. Yes. Um, as I was watching this, I was thinking, oh, it would be interesting to talk about all the different wedding traditions in different alien cultures or Star Trek. But when I started looking, the first one I found was this sweet little scene between Data and Worf in Data's Day, which is The Next Generation Season 4, Episode 11. In this episode, Miles O'Brien and Keiko are getting married. So, yeah, this has a DS9 link for you, Rob. <laughs> this is when they get married. And, of course, Data is playing the role of father of the bride. <laughs> <laughs> sure. And learning a lot, learning a lot about humanity in the process. And one of the things he has to do is buy a wedding gift he goes into this gift shop set that we never seen before or again in, in Next Gen, but it's kind of a room with replicator pedestals in the middle of it. And Worf's there already there shopping for a gift. So they, they, they trade banter. And what they talk about is how strange or unusual human wedding ceremonies are. So this is a treat of seeing humanity have the mirror turned on itself from the outside. Data asks if he can get any advice for picking a wedding gift, and Worf says, oh, of course, I have attended human weddings before. And he's the tone of voice is like this strange thing called human weddings. Don't worry, I'll guide you through it. They, they go through the catalog, and they stop on a pair of crystal glasses, and uh, Data says, this is a traditional wedding gift. Worf says, yes, my adoptive parents often give these things at family weddings a human custom 
<laughs> and Data asks Worf if he's ever participated as a member of the bridal party. And Worf goes, no, oh God, are you crazy? Uh, he says, it's an honor perhaps, but human bonding rituals often involve a great deal of talking and dancing and crying. It's so good. I watched this scene twice because <laughs> there's a lot of moments of them like just quite in silence taking a beat and staring at each other it's quite a funny scene yeah um so i recommend it highly and it was a reminder to me that not to take human wedding ceremonies as a normal baseline from the outside they might be just as weird as anything else we might talk about excellent excellent stuff <laughs> i of course went to um I would go as to say one of the most iconic weddings. Is this you are cordially invited? You, Mr. Kevin Yanker, cordially invited to my bringing up of you are cordially invited from Star Trek <laughs> D Space Nine Season 6, Episode 7. That's right. Season 6, we are firing on all cylinders. This is D Space Nine at its freaking best. Um, when we were is... still happy. When we could still have nice things, Rob. We could still have nice things before everything went to crap. Yep. Season six, episode seven, early on at the start of season seven, they've just gained back control of D space nine. Cisco is positively giddy, schoolboy giddy, walking around, going up to Kira going, it's so happy and I'm so nice. And it's so good to see you. And she goes, it's so good to see you. So much better saying hello to you every morning as opposed to going to Cardigan. It's so happy to be here. He's positively giddy and great seeing Cisco like that. And Martok has been given the position of high authority, which he, as he says beautifully, I do not like all the excessive paperwork. <laughs> <laughs> and so we go down to see Worf and Jadzia are hanging out with Alexander, who has become a bit of a good luck charm within his ship with the Klingons, because any stuff up he does means that they survive. So he's a good luck charm. And he's ingrained himself within uh, the the Klingon ships that he's working within, which he's been finding hard to do over the last however many years he's been alive. Poor old Alexander. Great, he's a great to see a bit of Alexander too. Not enough of Alexander in the canon. And he's very good in this episode. It's beautiful to see him here. And Jadzia just off the top of her head goes, we should get married now. This will probably be the last time you'll see Alexander in a long time. I know the war's on and stuff like that. I know we had plans, but let's do it now. He is here. And so they throw together a wedding in less than a week. Quark obviously takes on the role of running it all from his bar and the process begins, but then the drama begins as well. Worf wants it done a particular way. Jadzia has to gain her approval because she is an outsider within the house of Martok from Martok's very austere wife. Sorella. Yes. And the process carries on that way. We have a great inside look into the, the traditions of the Klingon people for their processes that we call a Bucks Night, their process. And there's a great moment where they use the Hollow Suites, obviously. So it's Worf, Martok, Cisco, O'Brien, Bashir, and Alexander go off to do this this rite of passage to lead on into the to the wedding. And as Jake's talking to Quark about it, Quark goes, It's a Klingon bachelor party. Use your imagination. But it is the exact opposite of what everyone expects. Instead of drinking and partying and beating each other up, it's a solemn, beautiful, operatic stages of breaking everything down, of putting yourself through pain and blood and 
beautiful singing um, Klingon opera in two-part harmony. And while Jadzia is doing what Jadzia does, she has dancing islanders with flaming poles and flirting and all this type of stuff and tension of whether Jadzia is worthy enough and a lot of things about you're not a Klingon, so you'll never be accepted. And it's all wrapped up to have an extended wedding ceremony with beautiful passages about love defying the gods and being more powerful than the gods themselves. It's, yeah, it's a beautiful episode to, to like invert what you believe a Klingon wedding would be. And there's some wonderful stuff in there. And it's Terry Farrell at her absolute best. This is like watching it again. This, you know, that by the end of this season, she's gone and it's crying shame because she should have been able to stay with the show to the end. And she's just, uh, after her initial tension of how she starts in this character in season one and two, this yeah. is Jadzia firing in all cylinders. She, in, yeah. she has the Curzon elements there. She's got the young vibrant elements. Her, she's got this great scene with Cisco right at the end where they flip back and forth, where he's talking to her like a young woman in her twenties, but then the next sentence he's talking to her, like he's like a 60, 70 year old man that they've known each other for decades. And they're just flipping back and forth. It's masterful writing by Ronald D. Moore. And it's a great insight into more traditions about Klingons. And we've talked about before, you know, Worf became like the, whenever it was a Worf-centric episode, is let's give a little bit more about the Klingons as opposed to him as a character. Yeah. But it just shows how beautiful Michael Dorn is with his characterization of Worf and just how deeply poetic and soft and thoughtful he is as a character and how he's lived on the outside for so long and he takes these traditions so seriously because he was never connected to it when he was young and yeah just beautiful stuff in there you can see why he he sneered with such such disdain at those crystal goblets when he knows what a real wedding tradition looks like exactly exactly and there's even a scene at the start where he's drinking blood wine ah. he has blood wine with his son and his uh, fiance so no prune juice there I think uh, there's a there's a episode or two in Voyager where Belana Torres and Tom Paris are planning their wedding, and there's mentions of how Klingon is the wedding ceremony going to be, and Belana's <laughs> like, "Don't worry, I'll spare you the pain sticks." And here we get to see in in a lot more grand detail exactly what she was referring to there. And look, the pain sticks are just like big earbuds, really. They <laughs> they would not be. They would not be unwelcome on the set of American Gladiators or something yeah. like that. And it's a great moment at the end where just Miles and, and Bashir, they're going, do we do it now? And Fartok goes, hold. Do we do it now? <laughs> and the final shot is fading to black and you hear the, yeah, <laughs> whacking poor old Worf. Yeah, it's really good. Both both Worf and Jadzia, I think, were high difficulty characters, not just for the actor, but for the writers to find oh. what it was. And yeah, you're right. This is perhaps the culmination of both of those difficulty curves of, yes, it was hard to get started, but the the rewards for getting to the place they were going with the, both those characters is on full display here in this episode. And you can really see that. They didn't expect it as writers. They didn't expect it as actors. Just how the two of them clicked, Terry Farrell and Michael Dorn, you just go, this is magic, absolute magic. It's so. interesting to me comparing to, we had the we had the engagement ceremony earlier this season with Spock in Strange New Worlds. Yes. Um, where 
he, as a human, temporarily <laughs> pretending to be half Vulcan, his like he runs this gauntlet of challenges to prove is he Vulcan enough, and it's quite similar to this episode where Dax is has to run this gauntlet of ceremonies to prove that she is Klingon enough to marry Worf. It's a recurring theme of that purity test before you marry someone outside your species. It's an interesting sci-fi thing. And all the levels of how physically strong you are, how your endurance is, and also your knowledge of the family. And when Jadzia starts biting back, going, well, actually, this is the true facts. Oh, but you want me to just keep up the myth the family myth, as opposed to what the reality is. Oh, okay, we'll do that. (laughs) I feel like it's a pretty obvious allegory to marrying across cultures, across races, you know, in human society of, are you X enough to join our family? Yes. Jewish enough? Are you Greek enough? Are you, you know, pick your, pick your social group that has its own traditions and its own expectations of people who join a family. And it's just as it is in our modern human society, that can be a test for a relationship that is taking that step into a permanent form, as it were, and getting to explore that in maybe a a, a safer sci-fi way through Star Trek and going, <laughs> Jadzia, can you recite the operatic verses sufficiently to join this Klingon house? It's a fun way to explore that stuff. And the history of my 28th great-grandmother or something like that. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, it would have been good to have a bit more trill tradition. Like what? Yeah, absolutely. It's very much Jadzia's, yeah, Jadzia is very much a case of, I just want to get married. I don't care about tradition or anything like that. Let's just get this done. Maybe that in itself is meant to say something about Trill Society, but we do see the Trill in Discovery, and they have some stuff going on. Yeah, it's one of the few moments I really liked in Discovery as well, that episode of the Trill with all the past lives and stuff like that. And they've touched on it a bit within some of the previous episodes of Deep Space Nine, what with former lovers or wives or husbands of Jadzia from their past lives coming in connection with each other. But yeah, it's very much her celebrations are just generic they have a pacific islander crew member who gets leave to come and celebrate with flaming torches which is amazing and incredible but it's like you said i think her culture is whatever's sexy (laughs) and he's a very oiled up islander and he is very sexy and she does the flirt and he falls asleep on morn so that's a good night for him yeah Oh, it was fun to revisit these weddings with you. There are others in Star Trek history. Yes, we didn't get to explore really the Betazoid wedding, which is apparently everyone's nude. Yes, yeah, and yeah, very prominent uh, early memory of TNG there of Major Barrett insisting that everyone needs to be naked. And I think when I first saw that as a fan, I was not across the fact that she was Gene Roddenberry's wife. That, that was not something that I knew. And yeah, just in hindsight, it's all strange. I made a new TV show. Do you want to get naked in the first season, honey? You know? <laughs> Look, she was bang up for anything in that show and God bless her. Yeah, it was a fun, fun episode. Absolutely. Early, early days of Troy and Luxana uh, going head to head about, mum, you embarrass me because you make everything so awkward. So yes, we, we, there's so many wedding traditions out there within Star Trek, but we did want to focus on a little bit of Klingon, a little bit of human reflection. 
and a little bit of Orion. And not a bad way to explore Star Trek. Thank you, Lower Decks. I love the journeys you're sending us on. Every new episode is a surprise. It's going from strength to strength, four seasons down. Yeah, will they go beyond the the iconic seven seasons? We shall see. All right. Until next week, Rob. Until next week, you know what we're going to do. We're going to see each other around the galaxy. 